Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. Today I have an another honored guest with me, Michelle from Tennis Warehouse. I know you love the Tennis Warehouse series and we have another star here. Hi Michelle, how are you today? I'm awesome, thanks for having me. You're always awesome, you always have a smile on your face. I think people know about that. How do you do it? How do you keep I, so positive? Oh man, I don't know. I think um, I'm like, I'm definitely a morning person and we're recording in the morning and I'm definitely someone that feeds off other people's vibes and energy. So I think I just always try to bring energy. However, th there are times where I'm not awesome. So it's not, trust me, I'm not always smiling. You're a human as well. That's yeah, true. But it's good. I mean, I like it. You, also, when you hit you, the ball, you smile. I think that's I probably good for the energy in the ball, right? <laughs> right? I tell people, though, like, I can be mad at you and I'll be smiling, too. So, like, I might be trying to crush the ball and kick your butt and I'll still have that smile. Yeah, exactly. Always yeah. with a smile. So how long have you been smiling at Tennis Warehouse? That's kind of the mandatory question I have to ask. Oh it's been a while. Goodness. It's been 10 years. How crazy is that? I just celebrated 10 years at Tennis Warehouse in February, which to me is mind-blowing. And I was someone before coming here that would move like every two to three years. So I think that was like the tennis player kind of coach in me. And so when I remember when we opened our Atlanta offices, it was like at that five year mark or something. And I was like, am I supposed to move to Atlanta? <laughs> no, I'm not. So I'm not supposed to move to Atlanta. I love it here. Yeah, it's, it's a good place you're in. Uh, so 10 years, how did you get to Tennis Warehouse from like college tennis or, or how did you end up there? So my story is like a little bit different than everyone else's. I feel like a lot of people were here and ended up at Tennis Warehouse, but I was coaching college tennis and had, <laughs> this is actually how I can tell you, I don't always smile. I actually was going through one of the worst years of my life, to be completely honest. I had, my contract was not renewed and I was interviewing for coaching jobs all over the country, literally flying all over the country to interview for head coaching jobs, assistant jobs, and nothing was sticking. And I kept coming in second. And this was about 10 years ago, obviously. And so Facebook was still relevant. And I grew up in the same area as Andy Gerst. And my sister saw that Andy posted on Facebook that they were hiring a new playtester at Tennis Warehouse. And she was like, Michelle, you have to. And my sister went to Cal Poly, which is where we're located in San Luis Obispo. And she knows how much I love this area. And I was like, no way, that's not a real job. <laughs> I was convinced it wouldn't work out um, through the hiring process and everything. It, it was very clear to me. I'm very much into everything that's for you. It will happen to you. And it was very clear to me that that was what was for me. And so I even remember when I interviewed, they were like, oh, don't worry about coming up here. And I was like, no, I'm coming. I'm going to be there in person. I drove a, six hours, I think, had my interview. Wow. And two weeks later, I moved to San Luis Obispo. So the rest is Very history. cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously tough when you... I mean, sometimes you're forced into things in life, right? You're forced to do something and it turns out to be a good thing because we get out of our comfort zone or, or just it's just meant to be. Do you ever miss coaching? Do you, would you ever want to go back to that? Fun, fun story. This is all, it's like I'm getting chills. I just had a big birthday. I celebrated 10 years here and I feel like all of a sudden my life is like retrospect. Everything like looks like it lined up perfectly the way it was meant to. I always say that I missed coaching. I missed the team atmosphere. I miss being around ladies and like just that positive like empowerment. And within the last year, I started working with, I would say five or six 
girls between the age of like eight and 13. And I just accepted a position coaching the local high school team here. So I'm going to be coaching. I'm, I'm not leaving Tennis Warehouse. I will still be a Tennis Warehouse. But I will also be coaching San Luis Obispo High Girls Tennis. So I'm going to be back coaching. Awesome. Congrats. So you have kind of the best of the both worlds. You can yes. test rackets, which you love. And you do a great job with the podcast, obviously, which has been growing and, and getting more and more, I guess. Uh, more. I mean, you had some brilliant guests like Isla, for example, was a great podcast. Oh I love yeah. her. I, I love her. Like, I don't geek out that often on, like, players, but I was like, oh, my gosh, can you be my best friend, please? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. awesome. No, nah, she's cool. She's cool. I mean, and there are a lot of cool tennis players, but sometimes you don't get to know them unless they actually do a podcast or show themselves because, obviously, in the press conferences and everything, this, it's quite dry, and the questions are quite stupid, generally. Like, I've been to many of these <laughs> press conferences, and the questions sometimes you're like, what are you asking this player? You know? Right? <laughs> I is... know. And I literally, I mean, I, I genuinely try to get to know people for who they are. And I had really been drawn to her during COVID when she was doing her Instagram lives. And she's just a cool person. So it was fun chatting Yeah, and a great her. player. Yeah, an amazing awesome. player. Yeah. Makes me want to hit with an ultra, too. <laughs> Running the podcast, is that like something that's been outside your comfort zone? Or you're always been like comfortable being in front of the camera, for example? Like, I mean, you've done a lot of the reviews. But it, was it always that way or did you have to kind of grow into that role? It's definitely something that I've grown into, but I, like I've mentioned, I always enjoy getting to know people. So having conversation is very much something I align with. Um, some days it still makes me terrified or I'll be like super nervous and and then I'll do it and then I get really excited and I just want to share with the whole building like, hey, guess who I talked to? And I don't know if our listeners know, but we have a whole family of sports companies here. So not everyone that I'm close with works on the tennis side. So I can geek out about Isla and they have no clue who she is or like how how cool that was. Um, but they listen to me. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy connecting with people and it's really manifested through this podcast. And it's been cool to talk about gear like you know, you talk about gear, but a lot of the tennis podcasts talk about the pro results and, you know, there's just other stuff going on and we're actually talking about the stuff that we're all using. Yeah, I think I think sometimes it's easier to relate because even no matter what level you are, like if you're on the pro tour or if you're like, uh, you know, a very enthusiastic, almost beginner or close to low level intermediate, you can still kind of find a path of uh, you know common ground with the gear because you can talk about oh i like this string or i you, you like what you like and you have might you have your opinion so i think it's an easy way to kind of you know get to know people like people come here for example to spain or in malta in the past and they've been like oh i'm a huge tennis nerd and they can talk about gear for like yeah. five hours you know <laughs> and it's right? like yeah it's, it's a fun thing right well, and it's funny. To, it's like fun to connect with people too, where like you live, you've lived a parallel life with them, and then all of a sudden you're like, "How have we not met? We have all these things in common. You like the same stuff I like, or you used to play with this racket too." I know it sounds cheesy, but at the end of the day, it's what we love. Life is pretty cheesy. I think it's, it's okay <laughs> yeah. to be cheesy. Totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, what are you playtesting at the moment? Like, do you have something you're excited about? So I'm playtesting a bunch of stuff, like, and I think that's the fun thing, too, is I don't think people realize how many things, at least me personally, I'm always testing. So I have two string tests going on right now, and I'm stringing those in my RF-97 
um, just for consistency, but we get to try them at different tensions. So Technofiber, Razor Soft, which I've been hitting with for several weeks now, and also Yonex Poly Tour Air. I have not hit that one, but I'm hitting in two hours, and I will be testing that. Um, we're having fun changing up the tensions on that one. Um, lots of shoes right now. I'm kind of going through a little bit of um, shoe drama where I feel like nothing is actually fitting my feet correctly. So unfortunately, um, the Diodora uh, B Icon 2 got updated and I have been struggling with that break-in. Um, they made the upper a little bit more firm, I would say, and it's, it's rubbing my feet in the wrong way. Um, also, the Mizuno Wave Tour Enforce, testing that one. What else do I have? I know we're testing. Oh, the Pro Staff 61100 is on my docket, which that's been an interesting test for me because I've just been playing it right next to the Pro Staff X. Um, stay tuned for the results. <laughs> I'm not going to give too much away, but I know we're actually getting that one really strong and adding a little bit of weight to tinker with it a little bit. So... A lot of times in our testing, we'll play with something in stock form at, you know, agreed upon uh, string and agreed upon tension. And then after everyone's had a chance to get comfortable with it, we'll kind of tweak it depending on what everyone's um, feelings are on it. What else? There's always so much in rotation. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Yeah, because we tend to always test. I think people don't realize that as well, maybe, because it's like you can't do just like three weeks of one racket. It's kind of rotation thing. So you have maybe a string and then you're testing a shoe and then you're testing three different rackets. Yeah. And then depending on mood and playing time and surface and whatever, you, you have to kind of, okay, you know, today I'm using this freshly strung with this string. So you get a bit of a 3D uh, view on everything. That's at least how I would do it. And I know you guys do it as well. Yeah. Um, and, and in your situation, you have, um, you know, a whole team of people testing, but you kind of like a bit of a higher tension than most people. How do you do. get around that? Do you have to play with 52 pounds and these <laughs> kind of noodle a lot tensions? Of times, yes, my goodness, you guys. Yes. Um, if we are fortunate, often we'll have a couple hitters, a couple different rackets, and I'll often claim one and get it strung without anyone else knowing at the tension that I like with the strings that I like. Um, and then everyone will hit it and I'll be like, wasn't this so great? Like, wasn't the experience so great? <laughs> and everyone will be like, oh, I think it was a little tight tension-wise. But um, yeah, so like I mentioned, sometimes we'll have the opportunity to play around with the setups, which I know for a fact um, we've got a racket getting restrung today that we're testing that will hopefully have a higher tension, and um, hopefully I will appreciate what that racket has to offer a little bit more once that happens. <laughs> yeah, because it's, the string is such an important part of your whole experience. So if, if you feel like, you know, okay, it's an interesting racket, but you usually want to play with maybe 57 pounds and you're playing now with 50 pounds, then it's going to change your perception of the, the racket. So then you probably need like, okay, you know, you can, in, I guess like you guys, I mean, I, I can imagine in my head, like with a higher tension, it will play, play better. It will play more controlled, yeah. but yeah. then sometimes you just need to put it on, on use on court, right? You need to test yeah. it. So I think that's, that's important. Uh, you're still with the RF 97. That's still your go-to stick. Yeah. I, I am. I can't, I can't switch because every time I go back, I'm like, this is why. This is it. Like, you got, like, this is the best. <laughs> and I know that sounds, like, very dramatic. Um, and I think a lot of the playtesters around here try to keep Fridays as a day where we can hit with whatever we want. And even through the Pro Staff 9714 and the Pro Staff X14, um, we, or version 14, however you want to call it, um, 
I tested a lot side by side with RF and like kept wanting to take that jump. Like I'm getting older. I got to switch to this lighter, maybe a little bit more maneuverable racket. And then the second I go back to RF, it's like, nope, I, I can't switch out of it. So... I think, well, testing the Ralpha Origin, I always liked heavier rackets. I mean, being an older guy, you, you like kind of, you, you grew up yeah. with a bit of 6195. Uh, so it's harder to kind of swing ultra fast with an Aero VS or 98 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then now when they released the Ralpha Origin, uh, did you try that one? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um... I, one of my jobs here also is writing the written reviews and compiling everyone's thoughts. And I'm working on that review right now. And I scored it the lowest. It was Troy, Mark Boone, Chris, and I on the test. I scored it the lowest and gave it an eight out of 10. Um, and I'm also the only one that since that test has finished, I haven't touched the racket. They're all still like obsessing over it. To be completely honest, it's just too much for me. And because I do kind of, I someone was telling me the other day, I'm like playing my best 90s tennis, which is so true. That's where it, when I grew up. So just for my linear strokes, I'm not whipping through. When I see like Troy hitting with it, I'm like, dang, you're really maneuvering that racket well. And he's just kind of like, he has that little flick that he does. And then even Mark Boone, he like collides with the ball and lets the racket do the work. And I'm like trying, I, I'm one of those that's like more is more. So I'm trying so hard and slugging the ball around. And I'm like, this is a lot of work. My timing's off. I'm shanking. So I can, I really appreciate what the racket has to offer. More respect to Rafa, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, a little bit, it's the swing path, I think, because this one, I mean, both RF97 and this one is heavy, but this is a large head size, open pattern. And not super open, but relatively open. So the ball will have a launch. And if you play more through the court, I mean, you will lose control. And then suddenly it's going to be tough, right? Because you, yeah. your timing has to be in that perfect nanosecond then, even more than the RF, I guess. Yeah. And I keep reminding everyone, it's at least 20 points higher than an RF on the swing weight. Yeah. At least. It's 30 points higher than some of my swing weights on my RF. So. Yeah, yeah. Usually, it's I mean. Significant. I mean, Roger played 340 swing weight strong. So like this one is 30 points, as you say, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy amount of extra swing weight to, yeah. to even consider. And yeah. most pros, I would say, are in, even though some play below 330, most are around 340, 350, you know, there are a few guys, uh, older players like Mare and, you know, they play 370, but it's rare. It's very right. rare to have this exactly. 370 swing weight. So, so people should uh, should respect it, but it's a fun hit. I think it's fun as well, you know. I wanted uh, to say in the video that I'm always just going to lean towards Roger instead of Rafa, but I didn't want to upset anyone. <laughs> but it's true, you know? I'm a yeah, Roger I'm a, girl. <laughs> Roger guy here as well. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Uh, do you, uh, were you a bit disappointed then that they didn't release like an RF-97, uh, like gold, bronze, rust colored version for the V14? Or it's maybe I... it's coming. I am like in hopes that something's coming. I have no clue. I, this is like, don't take my word for it. I like am hoping Rogers, like as he continues to like be present in not only tennis, but life everywhere. I mean, he's been everywhere lately. I hope that he has an update to his racket, which I keep joking with Wilson. Like, could you give us an extended RF-97 or something? Or RF, extended RF-97, 100 square inch, or I don't know, 99, play around with it. So <laughs> I, um, I'm keeping the hope alive. <laughs>
yeah, I mean, to me, it makes no business sense to not continue because I know it's so popular, not only with you, obviously, but with a lot of players. And obviously, I say that I say to some people, if you're a three five, we're talking NTRP, like an intermediate player, it's it's going to be tough, right? It's going to mm -hmm. be tough to use. It might not be so good for your arm. But if you're an advanced player that like a hefty frame, it's, it's definitely playable. And then you have that nice plow through. And with a slightly slower swing mechanic, you can still like, you can generate a lot of power. So I play with this guy. He's like 58 in shape guy from, from South Beach, mm -hmm. uh, plays a lot of tennis. And he played great with the RF 97. You know, he yeah. loved that racket. So there's definitely a target group for it. Uh, so I hope they don't, don't stop producing it in in different like cosmetics or whatever. And they can keep the specs as is, you know, or, yeah. or maybe try, like you said, a 99 or whatever, larger yeah. head size, see what happens. Right, why not? Yeah, I'm I'm not getting off the train anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other play tests that like took you by uh, surprise in any direction like that you tested recently? Um, I think, and I think you guys talked about this with Troy, um, I think one racket that we all were really happy with was the Selenko Whiteout 305 XTD 18 by 20. I joked that I was going to have to rip it out of Mark Boone's hands, but also Troy's and Chris's. So that racket really impressed all of us. Um, I will admit, though, it made me go back to the 16 by 19, and I know some people didn't like that one as much, but it made me realize that I'd like that one better, just a little bit stiffer, a little bit more plow through, a little more open of the string bed, you know, all those things. I probably should be using an 18 by 20, but I, I don't. So <laughs> I can appreciate what they have to offer, but that racket, that was super fun to play with. Um, what else have we tested? Unpopular opinion, I, I'm not a fan of the V cores. But again, we'll go back to my swing path and my swing type. Like, that's not for me. You really, I feel like to get the most out of those rackets, you really have to whip through the ball. Um, so I struggled getting the ball in the court <laughs> consistently. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I would say that's the polar opposite of what you're playing. Like, you're playing a very crisp, yeah. like, firm-feeling, old-school player's racket with a lot of heft. And these rackets right. are quite low swing weight, very flex, like the, the feeling in the string, but it's extremely flexible to me. I felt like they flexes a lot, right? So I, I also struggled playing Aww. well with them because I felt like it was kind of like a pillow that moved around when you hit it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, some yeah. players will love it, of course, but it, it wasn't course. for me, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. It's, sometimes it's such a blur. People will say like, oh, you tested this racket. And I'm like, can you refresh my memory? Like, let me rewatch the video. Um, and there's just always stuff coming out and then always stuff that we know is coming and it's just sometimes you're like wait it's may we've already had so many launches this year but um, yeah how, I really, how yeah, i mean ahead. one thing i'm curious sorry to interrupt you is that yeah. um the pro staff x and the six one i haven't tried the six 100 like are they very different when you play with them like they, they the they're... specs seem very similar i think they're very different like and I'm leaning back towards, I was going to say another one that impressed me is was the Pro Staff X. I really like that racket. Um, one of our playtesters in Atlanta, Jofi, yeah, I think you know Jofi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she officially switched to the Pro Staff X. So, and she's playing a ton of Ulta matches and like kicking butt out there. Um, I feel like at this moment in my playtests, they are playing very different where the 61100 um, is much livelier and giving a firmer feel on contact, more power, easy easy spin, easy depth, but 
definitely a livelier option compared to the Pro Staff X, which I like what the Pro Staff X has to offer a bit more than just because I need a little more built-in control. <laughs> I don't need that lively feeling, even though I like it. No, no. I actually thought, like, for me, the Pro Staff X would have been even better with an 1820 for me, or 1620 at least. I, I felt that. like it's a little bit too to open the ball launches a bit, you know, but I, I also like that. these more control oriented rackets. So for me, yeah. it's, it's like, since I don't know, neither hit with that massive natural spin, then, then you obviously want something that suits your swing style. Of course, that's definitely, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Do you ever get tired of playtesting? Like, do you think like, it's like, oh no, not another racket this week <laughs> or, or shoe or whatever shoes I find sometimes is tough because it can be, if it's not a good fit for you, it's tough on the joints, maybe something like that. Do you ever feel yeah. that? No, I enjoy it. At the end of the day, like I get to come to work and test new products and talk about it and have an opinion. And um, it's super fun. And every now and then you have something super exciting or something different that has a really unique story. Um, shoes, sometimes it can get daunting. Like I mentioned, I'm play testing a shoe right now. I had a hard hit last Monday and my feet hurt for the whole week. I tried to put my feet back in the shoe and I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. Um, so that's tough. And then as you mentioned, like your body, I have a tendency to, I like to run and I do some other stuff. And I had a few weeks where my knee was bothering me and I couldn't pinpoint if it was the shoes I was testing, which I think it might have been, I think I decided that. Um, the running shoes I was wearing, I Peloton a bunch, so I was like, did I up my mileage too much? It was like all these things and I couldn't figure out what it was. I think it might have been the shoes though. Yeah, shoes can be a detriment. Like I realized like some brands suit my feet much worse than others and, and vice versa, right? So right. then I'm like, oh, this brand again. Hmm. <laughs> we'll it's see, tough. you know? Yeah, it's tough work, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah it's not so tough. <laughs> yeah. A lot of guys who I hit with, they say, oh, you're living the dream, man. I'm like, yeah, but it's I work a lot. <laughs> so right, just... that too. <laughs> yeah. It's always It's always fun because people, I mean, it, it is fun to test stuff, but it can also be, you know, fatigue built in or like some tiring, you know, or you, you have to edit. I edit a lot and stuff like that, so it takes time. Uh, do you you don't do any editing of the videos or that you have a team for that, I guess? Goodness, we have an absolutely amazing video team. I have an editor who edits the podcast. He is awesome. He is like so dialed in with audio editing, video editing. He's, his specialty is long form. But yeah, to paint a little bit of a picture, um, the video department's literally like right across the way. It's this massive room. I want to say we have at least 10 or 12 guys that just edit, shoot, do all of our video production. And it's cool because each person specializes in different things. So some people are really good at putting commercials together. Some people are really good at editing podcasts and long form. So um, we are very lucky because I am not great at that. I do manage our YouTube channels. So like I'm working on playing around with YouTube shorts. I apologize. I'm doing my best on like editing and using like different different apps to make them look cool but honestly the best ones right now are the ones where we're talking to you guys about gear so we're gonna keep doing that <laughs> yeah i think the audience like what i noticed sometimes with youtube if you if you stray too much from the core demographic of what they expect they'll be like uh -huh, i'm not here for this i i, I want something else 
But then you as a person might like, oh, it would be interesting to talk about this today, but then right? nobody cares, you know? Right? So I it's know. like, it's tough. We, I made Troy shoot some YouTube shorts the other day and he, we were talking about the Synergy 98 from Prince and mm -hmm. it blew up. I was like, okay, here we go. That's well, cool, I saw those, that's nice, yeah. yeah. And that was like the price was insane because I think partly that that's because today I reckon is is semi expensive. So you say like this seventy nine bucks, whatever it was yes. said in we're, the video was like wow. <laughs> yes, we're doing a YouTube short flash sale on that one. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Check it out, guys. You have a Prince racket in the background. It looks a bit oversized though. A little bit big. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I'm a. I grew up playing Prince, so I always um, can appreciate what the brand has to offer. What, yeah. what did you start with? Uh, what's the like the graphite oversize or something like that? So this is so awkward, but maybe people will realize where I come from with my likes, but I use the Prince Precision to keep long body, which was the full 28 inches long. And I'm pretty sure the swing weight was high. And I'm like, I'm always putting like an SOS. If anyone has one out there that they want to get rid of, please contact me. Um, but yeah. Do you have any left or? None, you... none. And I'm so ah. mad. I was like, I'm so mad. You know, as you get older and your parents are like, get your stuff out of the house. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh, I had all the Prince bags. I was a sponsored player. So I had my name in cursive on the, on the bag. I love that bag. Um, and then they discontinued that racket and they started sending me what is it the diablos and uh just the triple threads and all that <clears throat> and i just kept saying no 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 and it was right when i was going to college and i remember i spent a whole summer demoing rackets and i couldn't couldn't find anything probably because nothing was 28 inches and um i got to college and i tried at that time i think it was when babylon was just first into the united states the pure drive team plus so uh, that's what I play with all through my college years. So. But you, um, the, your RF is not extended. So it's just no, I know. And... It's not. I came back down. Previous racket to that I used was the Rodic. Was it plus? I don't know. It was the Rodic Pure Drive. So I don't know. Just heavy and yeah. I appreciate yeah, because... an extended racket. It does sound like you like the the extra length, like especially twenty eight yeah. is is quite a big transition. I mean, you have the Serene, I guess, is twenty eight, the autograph yeah, one. Yeah, and I didn't like that one. Well, it's like twenty eight, and yeah, that for whatever reason, that one didn't really work for me either. The string no. pattern, I think, maybe too. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit. I, I noticed the string pattern wasn't my my favorite. Yeah. Uh, so how how picky are you? I mean, like you're super picky with rackets. Do you feel like this nah or nah? It's like RF RF RF, or um, you're quite open minded. I'm pretty open-minded. I definitely, I'm not like super picky where I'm like a diva or anything. Um, I have one of the big T-dub duffel bags that I keep all my stuff in. And so I love to go down to the court. Like if we're talking like a Friday, like I said, we hit with whatever we want. I'll take at least 10 rackets and sometimes I'll circle through all of them. Sometimes I won't. Um, I always like to start with the RF just because that's home for me. So I always know exactly, you know, how I'm feeling personally that day and like what my timing looks like. But I also have, um, I have several versions of the old Pure Drive extended tour or erotic rackets that I play with often, I would say at least once a week. Um, and then I just have like lots of fun stuff in there, plus all the stuff that I'm testing. The Prestige's, um, 
they they changed the naming, so I'll probably mess up which one. But I think it was the Prestige Tour that I most recently liked the best. What else is in there? That was the 95, right? I think you, I uh, saw that review, right? Yes, yes, 95. And yeah. it was 16, 19, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and hefty, so hefty. Hefty, yeah. We like a heavy racket. So, yeah, no, I'm not like super picky. I'm never going to be like, oh my gosh, this isn't heavy enough. Um, and then like there's times where I'll be hitting something and it's super light out of my spec and I like it. And it's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I remember there was like a Yonex a couple years back, one of the lighter ones. So I was like, this is a great racket. Yeah, maybe a bit stiff for them because if you like that kind of sensation, then it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, do you play a lot yourself? I mean, you besides the playtesting, I know Chris is very much like, okay, playtesting, and then he's like, okay, I'm gonna go surfing now. Uh, yeah. What about you? Do you do you try to play even outside your your work? So I will play outside. I actually will fill in at a local country club and a couple times a month on Saturday mornings and do drills with some of the players, which is always fun and awesome. They like get the music going and it's like it's such a good time. Um, but I'm also just like someone like Chris where like playtesting is kind of our job and that's what we do. And I love tennis, but I also love so many other things and my days are filled with activities but um i don't i wish this area had a more competitive tennis scene for people our age and it's great for juniors but um there's not really a ton of players in this area so you would have to go up to san francisco or down to la to like play some tournaments and it's just not in the cards so Go yeah, ahead. now you have a team, right? So you will have to play yeah. a lot more than yeah. I have my girls. Yes, I'm excited about that. I'll be on the court a bunch. Um, yeah, but I'm hitting at least like five days a week, sometimes more. So okay, yeah, that's 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 well enough. I think <laughs> I, I, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm around five times as well. So it's 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 good. I think it's about you can overdo yeah. it as well. And the body says exactly. no, right? Yeah. So what do you do besides tennis? Do you, I I know you like wine because I also like wine, and I see in your Instagrams. <laughs> Yes, I am such a wine person. Um, love wine, and we have a wine. We're in wine country out here, so. Of course, I yeah. Just, yeah, I just got to go to Napa for my birthday. That was super fun. Uh, I love to hike. We have an amazing hiking trails here. I, I run. I actually started running when I moved here, which is crazy because I hated running growing up, but I think most tennis players do. But um, I've made some really great friends uh through running and at running warehouse and I geek out a little bit on the gear on the running side too. So I've become a running shoe, a bit of a snob. <laughs> um, but that's fun. I, was, uh, I have the cutest little puppy who is just adorable and like, I can't wait to see every day. Um, she's awesome. We go to the beach at least once a week. Um, and what's her name? Her name is Gypsy. Oh, that's she's, cool. That's cool. Yeah, she's named after the Fleetwood Mac song, Gypsy. <laughs> she's the best. Um, yeah, I keep busy. My sister lives about two hours south, so I get to go and hang out with her probably once a month. Um, she actually just picked up a tennis racket for the first time in like 20 years. So I'm really excited about that. I went down and played with her, and hopefully we do a lot more of that um, coming up. But yeah, I, lo I love music, live music. So I'm always looking for concerts and just fun stuff like that. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you could, that area is, I mean, I know maybe the competitive tennis scene uh, for, for like, you know, our age approx is, is a bit tougher, but for like yeah. concerts and 
wine stuff it's it's loads of stuff to do right so, so i think much. yeah uh, yeah like last weekend i went to two pickup parties and if anyone's not familiar like in california it's a thing so if you join a wine club they often have pickups and you go and it's a party and there's music and food and wine and it's great so that sounds I'm awesome not, i didn't know yeah. that oh yeah oh man yes in california it's like such a thing and then everyone's like well how much does it cost to join and it literally you just get shipments for allocated times of the year so and they give you a discount on your wine so it's a win-win situation <laughs> does sound yeah. great does sound great and uh, when it comes to running shoes i used to run like like a not like a crazy person but i ran marathon i ran races that's crazy um my knees were were in the end not thankful for it but but because i was quite young when i was doing it a lot uh but with running shoes you know are you as nerdy with running shoes as you are with tennis shoes now i've gotten that way yeah and like i realize i'm not setting world records or anything and i'm not trying to i honestly i've come to terms with like i'm as i get older i'm okay going slower which I wasn't when I first started. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to run this pace. But definitely, yes, I like to geek out on shoes. And then the running content team works very close by us. So it's easy to hop into their conversations and vice versa. And I have a lot of friends that are that work for our running warehouse company. So it's it's fun to like get excited about the new launches. And then something else that's prevalent is Running shoes often have the same midsole technology as tennis shoes, but they're like two years ahead of us. So wow. I remember, okay. yeah, I remember like when Asics had flight foam for the first time in the running shoes, then it came to tennis or so we see a lot of like the technologies come through the running shoes and then we're like, okay, we know this is coming in a couple of years, which is cool as well. Do you have a, a standard shoe for tennis that you otherwise use? I, I know, I mean, I talked to some guys, like other play testers and stuff, and they usually have like, okay, this is the goat shoe, right? The greatest of all time, but it's, it's discontinued. They can't find it. Yeah. I know are several guys like the Adidas Soul, Coast, Soul, Soul Court Boost, oh, yeah. I think it's called. I never tried that shoe, and now I'm very curious, but I can't find it anywhere, so it's <laughs> tough. What about you? Do you have a, like a one shoe that is the best shoe for you? I don't have a best. I should, I should really think about this. I am a shoe... Like, I have shoes everywhere. <laughs> like, if I come to work, I have, like, th three pairs of shoes with me. Um, so I definitely, like, obsess over shoes, but I don't know if I have an absolute goat. Right now, and this might be an unpopular opinion, too, I love the Coco shoe from New Balance. And I think I was the playtester that liked it the most out of everyone. But I love the styling, and it's functional, and it's, like, it's everything that I want. It's that 90s nostalgia that we keep going back to. Um, gel res is always good. Plus, they take color really well. Plus, I'm a men's sample size, so I always snag all the samples. <laughs> and, and I have, like, that bright pink and black one right now that I love. Um, what else? Adidas, um, on the women's side, they've really invested a lot into the women's company and or the women's side of the company. And the Avacourt and the Stella Court are also great. Like, if a lady comes to me looking for a shoe, that's like the first one I would direct them to. Oh, yeah. I heard the Stella is great. Like, it's, it's a very good one. Yes. I'm actually going to some event with Adidas uh, for the French Open. I don't yes. know what shoes or whatever they're going to do, but there's some something. So we'll see. That will be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I've never been to the French Open, so it's always fun to go to uh, new tournaments. And that's yes. a pretty big one, so it's like, that's I don't know why. I'm... Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's exciting. 
But what about your tournament visits? Do you have anything planned? Like I know I, we met once in uh, in Stuttgart. You were going around Europe a bit. That was fun. Like, do you have anything more planned, like around the states or in Europe or anywhere? I don't have anything planned right now. I'm always trying to like manifest something to come together. So I'm hoping, <laughs> yes. right? I'm hoping something. Um, I have never been to the US Open or the Australian Open. So eventually okay. I gotta get to New York and get out there. Um, but no, what I, I, nothing planned. Um, I have a few, you know, we, we work with or pretty close with some of the pro players on tours. So it's always fun to hear what they like the best and then maybe plan a trip around that. Um, we've been joking in my family that um, we're gonna get my mom and my sister and brother-in-law to French Open, I think they said 2025. So maybe I'll be back in Europe. I would love that. Um, I love Paris and the French is really cool. You're going to have an amazing time. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very open-minded with that. I usually go always to Stuttgart because I know the guy who, who runs the tournament. And then maybe he has a Mallorca one there as well. So I might go there. We'll see. I don't know. Nice. Yet, but... Yeah. Everyone in Rome is like looking like they're having an amazing time. The girls we sponsor have been eating gelato every day. And I'm like, yes, keep keep living your best life. Yeah, no, the Rome, I love Rome. Like I used to go every year and now I know it's it's easier from Malta because it's only like one hour by by plane. So you can just fly over there quite quickly. Um, and this tournament I've been like three, four times. It's also an amazing atmosphere and it's it's like it's quite close to the city. So you can just take like a tram there if you want to or yeah. like a taxi. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I can really recommend it if anyone listens and they want to go to the Rome Open. It's beautiful. Right? And maybe actually this year, San Jose, I know um, Troy went last year, <clears throat> excuse me, I went two years ago, but it's a small, I think it's a 250 for the WTA and it's only a couple hour drive for us. So that's an easy one to pop up to. And like I said, just to see some friends and connect with players, but also we have a local 60K, which I think it's always well. cool to talk about those tournaments because like, the average tennis fan doesn't even know that those exist. And um, we've had players like Taylor Townsend played it, I think it was two years ago, and Jeannie Bouchard's played it, and it's literally 30 minutes north of where we're located. And like the players get bottles of wine because it's wine country. And it's just a really fun tournament and a really cool way to watch a good level of tennis, a pretty high level of tennis. And yeah, it's a 60K at, in Templeton and it's usually right after the US Open. So I'll be I'll be there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds good. And I also usually encourage people to go like to futures, 60K, even 25K, whatever, because it's the level of tennis is very watchable uh, mm -hmm. and it can even be better sometimes because there's a little bit more ups and downs sometimes or they're not as you know good as some of the the wta or atp pros right on the top levels but yeah. it's, it's not like the entertainment is worse it's just, it, i mean what you're seeing when you get the atp wta is usually usually like a star name you know that, that will bring you attention but otherwise go to these slightly smaller tournaments and support because i think it's important that they they don't play in front of like you know just their coach or whatever mm -hmm. and sometimes there's a great atmosphere if you're lucky with the tournament you know so yeah. definitely go to these events i think it's it's great there's been like i saw alicia parks there two or three years ago and i remember watching her and saying like okay who is this girl and now look at her she's just like on the up and up so you never know who you're going to see or also who's fallen. There's been a lot of players that try to resurrect the career down there as well. 
yeah, the, both storylines are interesting. You have someone like, okay, this is a future star, and you have someone that's like, okay, this person is struggling, and that's also a little bit funny to see, although it's it's harsh, but it's it's also like it's a storyline there that you can enjoy at least. Some, yes, know? there are some stories, and you, I mean, there's one player in particular. I'm not going to say their name, but she was kind of having a really good career path and then fell and didn't fall, but like her ranking fell. And then I saw her there last year and her personality had completely changed. Everything had completely changed. So it was so interesting to see this transformation and she's just trying to grind her way back to the top. I think sometimes it's, it's it, for some people might need that wake up call over like, hey, back to earth, please, you know, and, and yep. this is not supposed to, I mean, unless you work really hard and everything, I mean, some people take it a bit for granted, they might need that smack in the face that, okay, now I have to play lower level tournaments, which they think is maybe below their standard, but they have to prove it. So it's not that easy then, you know? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Do you uh, do you ever watch a lot of like um, matches on on online or on TV? Do you have time for that? Do you follow the tour WTA or ATP? Definitely follow the tour. We convinced Tennis Warehouse to put a TV in our office because <laughs> this is years ago. Because we would all be streaming the matches and like it would mess with the bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we did a good job of convincing them. So the Tennis Channel is on 24-7 at Tennis Warehouse or ESPN, whoever has the match. Um, yes. And then even most recently, I don't have the Tennis Channel because my cable supplier dropped it. And I was like, no, I am not going to pay. But I got it for my mom for, what was it? I... There was some holiday, and I was like, Mom, I got you Tennis Channel. Like, yay. I think it was St. Patrick's Day even. I don't know. It was right during BMP, and I was like, I have to I have to keep up. I have to watch. And, you know, you go, I go through phases where I'm, like, super invested in the tour, and then where it's like, ugh, tennis is too much right now. I don't want anything to do with it outside of work. Um, so I'm at that phase where I'm, like, reading. I like to keep up with the, the gossip and the, you know, all, all the – the interesting stuff that happened last week in the women's doubles final and the case. Yeah, what, what happened last week? Oh, T- tell me more about it because I, I read that there was there was no prize. They didn't give any speeches for some reason. What, 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 yeah. I didn't get the full story, right? Oh, man. So the ladies finished their matches. They gave them the trophies. So it was Vika. I call her Bella Hadid, but the Brazil player, yeah. Maya. And, Hadid uh, Maya, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bella yeah. Hadid. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Jessica Pagula and Coco and they gave them the trophy but they never gave them a mic so that was weird and then they all that was very weird yeah and like even I think Vika tweeted after she was like I just wanted to say hello to my my son however I don't know if you saw the men's because the men's doubles Karen Ketchnoff and Rublev go up there and Karen's speaking Spanish and like wooing the crowd. And it's like, wait a minute. It was so, a show, right? Yeah. There's been some controversy. I know Pagula, um, someone posted yesterday one of her quotes. And then it's just like, I'm here for the tea. I mean, I like a little bit of drama. I'm a female tennis player. That's what we do. Like, But it, yeah, so everyone's kind of like, what's going on? And I don't know enough about the backstory there, why, but it did happen. Yeah, my, maybe it's a, an oversight or maybe it's just like, a, I don't know, um, but it seems like a huge mistake because it's also very illogical not to say, here's a winner, we're doing a podium, 
there's always mics, even on lower levels, always. there's mics. So they that, and that's what Pagula said. She said, even in a 20k or 25k, you've got a mic and a trophy presentation. So yeah, it's maybe a shorter yeah. speech, but at least there's something. And here you also have cameras, right? So there's like a, it seems like a completely strange missed opportunity to buy. Okay, we're not gonna let them say maybe the whole mic system was broke. I don't know. But yeah, I yeah, that that's weird, actually. But they, it's good and that the organizers get a little bit of a slap on the fingers and what happened, you know, well, and you know, everything's viral and social media now. So everyone's like, boycott Madrid, blah, blah, blah. But and then the whole Sabalenka had a birthday and Alcaraz had a birthday and Alcaraz got this three tier cake and Sabalenka got this little sheet cake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also like a small thing can snowball because of media, right? So you never know exactly. like a small mistake or, you know, someone just ah don't care about that. And then like, boom, you know, you're suddenly have a whole press. Uh, thing going on and you're like oops that was not smart you know so, yeah. so you have to be very professional the whole way how do you deal with like uh, the social media part of like you now being you know somewhat famous in the mm -hmm. in the tennis racket world right do you do you feel like do you have to deal with a lot of like questions comments uh stress about answering questions i, I mean troy seems to have like a very much like oh, i you know reply to everything i see you know and i'm like woof i cannot do that there's no chance right. <laughs> Yeah. How do you feel about it? Um, I have a different perspective. I, I've i gone through some issues with social media in the past. And to be completely honest, my personal s stuff is pretty locked up. And mm. I don't really, you know, need it to be much more than people that I know and interact with. Um, so, but I know Troy, Troy and I are on YouTube every day. And... He does a great job of, I mean, like, Troy's, like, such an even keel guy. And then you got Michelle, who's, like, this emotional, like, riding the waves. So literally, like, there'll be days where I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this person said that. Love me, Adam. And Troy will just be like, it's fine. Or, like, delete. Like, no big deal. Um, where I do really get upset or frustrated with people in general is when they attack my friends who are my co-workers and I kind of always joke that if Troy gets to YouTube first um, he'll delete anything bad about any of us except for himself and I'm the same way and it's like we we it's it's tough when you see it personally you're almost like oh man were they right about that maybe that maybe I am bad at that um, but there's like this mutual respect amongst all of us that like, it's like family. Like I can complain about you all day long, but once someone else says something bad about you, like watch out, I'm very protective over my people. So um, for the most part, it seems like our YouTube channel has, I keep saying trained, but like our, our, the people on there have become really respectful and kind and actually have good things to say and add and ask. And we, we totally appreciate that. Um, and I always say like, if you have bad vibes, like take them elsewhere. So, yeah, yeah I think so. I think, I, but it's a tough thing to manage. I, I you know, uh, generally manage it okay, I think, but some days you like, you have one nasty comment and then you have 4,000 positive comments and you go like, I have this. That's I have the only one you can remember. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I used and then to you wanna... the nasty ones and I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, because it, it kind of sticks in your head, like some kind of weird glue and, and you want to reply something, but then you're like, I should not encourage this stuff either. Right. So totally. 
And like, if anyone ever like had a personal conversation with you face to face or even on a phone or even through text, like that would never be like, they would never talk like that. So it's just so interesting. Um, but it's, it's much easier 10 years later. It's much easier to shake it off now. It still always stings a little bit, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it was a learning process and a learning curve. I mean, there, I went through some downs with, with that kind of stuff, but I think I've got it dialed in now. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it, 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 you learn the tools if you work on it, but it can also, I mean, it's still, things can sting or things can bother you or whatever. I mean, I sometimes see channels to have like comments blocked or like <laughs> turned off, which is not the point of social media, I guess. Right. But it's, it looks like a big relief. <laughs> it's just right? like upload and then just, okay, I don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. You know, if you're like a, a huge podcast or whatever, like Joe Rogan, you, you, they can just turn off comments, you know, they don't care. <laughs> they don't even look at them. I know. Right? Such... I know. I joking. Well, like I turn off comments sometimes just on my personal one. And my sister's always like, why'd you turn off comments? I wanted to like say something. And it's like oftentimes when I feel like I'm saying something and I don't need anyone else to validate or, you know, anything. So it's such an interesting time that we're in with all of the social media. And it's like, if you're not doing it, then how are you growing? But at the same time, it's like, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's definitely a fine line. Um, one of our sister companies, they have comments approved. So they have to come in and approve all the comments. And I'm like, that seems daunting too. Like, I don't want to do that. So just be yeah, nice. No, that, that's, that, that's seems, all. That seems tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. And it, it's, not, it's not that hard to be a human being, right? It's, it's, it's pretty right? basic stuff. And we're totally up for like a debate or uh, like a difference of an opinions. There's been a couple of videos in the last couple months. I know even with like the Nike Pro, the Nike Vapor Pro 2 and the Vapor 11, I had people telling me how incorrect I was. And I'm like, cool, cool. No, I'm not. <laughs> this is coming from Nike. But um, and then there was something recently. Oh, it was the the origin. There was a big debate and we're, we're more than happy to debate. Like we debate all the time in our office. That's kind of the beauty of it. That's actually how the podcast kind of came to be for me. It's like, we're sitting here talking about these things. How cool would it be to share that? So like, feel free to debate or question us or be like, no, but do it nicely. <laughs> Put a smiley yeah, face yeah. there. Exactly. There. There's always a nice way to do things generally, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. But it's always a curious question about people who who are kind of in front of the camera or content creators because you are, you are in that space. So it's always interesting to discuss with other people that are in the same space. I, I and, and for some it can be a very mentally challenging right uh, path to to go through. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the le the less fucks you give, um, the better. I would. <laughs> I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just slash ignore everything you can. You know, if you if it's possible. Uh, so, um, how does your um, your day look like at tennis warehouse? Like, do you have like a few hours of playing? You, um, well, what do you do then? Like, create content. You work on the podcast. You, you, and you do like one episode. How often for the podcast? So right now we're pushing out episodes once every other week. And honestly, like my days look different every day, which is what I love. I could not do like at eight o'clock we do this. I, I can't do that. You can probably tell just by the way I speak. I'm very like all over the place. <laughs> um, so every day for sure looks different. Um, 
like tomorrow we have a vendor in town, so it will be a lot about getting stuff done. So then we can be in meetings. Sometimes we'll play test in from those meetings where they bring us gear to try. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like today, first thing I do is check my email, check YouTube, um, ch- check all kinds of things. I f- uh, film product videos every Thursday. So that's like my Thursday morning, 8.30 a.m. I'm in the studio, like working in front of the camera with a video guy doing closer look videos or bag videos or trying to just kind of share some knowledge in there. Um, at The podcast was something I added on to my plate. So it's been interesting trying to navigate it with everything having a pretty full schedule already so i like to batch record i don't know how you do it but i will spend a week where i'm recording a bunch of episodes and sometimes that's really easy and great because then i don't have to stress out about it um we switch the cadence every other week because i was stressing out about it and through covid I'm actually trying to rework the studio right now so I can get the playtesters back in the studio because right now they can't come in um, based on size and mics and setup. But um, we know that everyone likes those playtester chats and we haven't been able to have them. (laughs) And as you experience, our internet's not great so (laughs) uh, when we're recording. So like I would have to find three open conference rooms with internet and like go on a Zoom and record, and it became a nightmare. So we haven't been doing those. Um, What else? I manage our pro team of players. So right now I'm working on getting all the girls grass court shoes from our sister company in Europe to an address in Europe, Um, not the UK. (laughs) Uh, What else? What else do I do? I do, I'm writing, like I said, I write reviews. So I'm working on that Rafa origin review. I'm sorry it's delayed. I will, some people are slow getting their comments in. I won't name names, but <laughs> it's not It's not me. Um, what else? I do descri- descriptions on the website for shoes and bags. And I, I work on our bag line. Who knew? Like, it's it's fun. Like. This job has really evolved into like what I am interested in and what I like to do. So literally there's never a dull moment. <laughs> and then you throw in tennis and like, and I, I like to go to the gym. So I'll get, make sure I get a gym session in once a, once a day too. So it's just And like, you have a gym on site or? Yeah, yeah, we have Ooh. a gym on site. Yeah, it's awesome. This building is filled with like athletes and people that are like so competitive. So, I mean, like to the point where we know at like 12 o'clock who's going to be in the gym and you're like, okay, I want to avoid working out in there because they're going to take all the bikes or, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. So it's a really awesome place to be. It's, I keep joking. It's a big kid's job and it works really well for my lifestyle, you know, and I, I, I'm interested in all the things that we get to do. And if I'm not, I, I kind of start doing something else (laughs) that interests me. I think that's great. I think that's also very good. I think that's, you know, the way you should, if you can see it, like, I mean, and, and that's what people should aim for. Cause if you have a, you have a lot of variety in your job. So, right. Okay. I'm going to, today I can fix this. I can write this. I yeah. feel in the zone and then you yeah. can, Oh, then you had two hours and then you can do something as you feel like you want to do. So you can control your workload a little bit on your timing. Totally. Uh, and I think that's ideal. Right. And also you're, you're doing stuff you enjoy, which is, uh, which is same for me. Like I, I can plan my day the way I want and I do the stuff I, I generally love to do. So it's just sometimes you need a little bit of a tennis break 
so you do something else but uh, but overall you you have that kind of pretty pretty smile on your face every day right because it's, it's yeah fun. definitely and like today i'm hitting at 12 with mark and troy and we're gonna do some two-on-ones and like i mentioned we got some racket three strong i have new strings to test so those are really fun hits too because it's like super interactive not only are we working together and like trying to get a feel for everything but we're we're playing tennis i mean at the end of the day i think like chris always says it it's like a, if a bad day at work is like you still got to go hit for an hour like okay like let's let's rethink if it was a bad day or not kind of thing yeah I, and it's a I mean, huge stress reliever right to play tennis yeah i've definitely gone through ups and downs and um at the end of the day i always just fall back on gratitude and like being able to do I mean, I never thought a job like this existed and to be able to just kind of have fun and I don't know, tennis is, I'm so thankful for the sport. <laughs> that's great. That's a beautiful uh, way to put it. How, I mean, were you from a tennis playing family from the beginning or, or how did you get into tennis from the start? No, I love this story though. My parents wanted to learn tennis and they were racquetball players. So we grew, or I grew up in, down in Los Angeles, big tennis boom in the 90s. And um, they ended up getting an hour lesson and they split it. So they took a half hour and then I took a half hour and the rest is kind of history. I was really grateful. I am really grateful. I am thankful. I literally grew up alongside like Lindsay Davenport and like Pete Sampras, Michael Chang, like these were the players that were just a couple years older than me. So tennis was such a big deal, like Robert Landstorp and Jim Pugh and like these just, it's just, I feel like I don't know how to not be in the world of tennis. Like I tell people like the one thing I know and I always know is tennis. Like no matter what's going on in the world, I got tennis, you know? So um from there it just kind of evolved and my parents really allowed me to be passionate and never pushed but i asked for more so they gave me more and i became an academy kid when i was 16 and all that so it's definitely been obviously a, a very relevant story to my life <laughs> yeah. did you want to go pro like were you aiming to go pro since you went to academy and everything right so I wanted to play college tennis. I did definitely want to do that. I've always been a late bloomer and I still hold on to that story. I think I'm just always just a little bit behind everyone. Um, and I definitely wanted to go pro. Like that was the dream always, always, always. But, and I played a few ITFs um, in college, outside of college, after college. And to be honest, it just wasn't in the cards for me. I didn't have anyone showing me how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have the money to do it. Um, I'm not saying I don't have the skills. I think I would have done fine. It's a grind though. And I'm not, I'm not the most, back then I really wasn't the most mentally strong person. And I think that was one of my biggest weaknesses. Um, and even back then I remember some s s social media wasn't big, but I remember someone writing something about me on the internet and my goodness. <laughs> and I remember throwing my rackets away and you know, it's just like, I just didn't have the tools back then to go out and play an ITF circuit, which I think is a blessing in disguise. And I think I always was destined for a life in tennis and it just wasn't the right path. And I'm big on, you know, recreating your dreams. 
and I pivoted a few times. I'm still pivoting. <laughs> I think that's a very important skill to learn how to pivot because life rarely turns out the way you expect it to be. I mean, sometimes some tennis players grow up in a, in a bubble, usually maybe a rich bubble because tennis is a very costly sport, especially for parents of tennis kids. And then they're like, re their ego is, is well wrapped in some tinfoil all the way through. And then reality smacks them in the face at some point, or they become like top 10 players and they have to wait for reality to smack them for a few more years, you know. But uh, it, it's, it's a very insulated little bubble you live in as a tennis pro. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes it's nice to have it burst early because I think you, you get, understand reality a bit better. That's my, my feeling. And also from talking yeah. to loads of tennis pros, both very successful ones and, and ones that quit, whether they were 200 or 150 or 500 in the world, you know. But uh, it, it's, it's a tough grind also to be a tennis player mentally. It's uh, probably the toughest. I think it's tougher on your mental side than maybe on your physical side even. You know, It's so tough to travel and, and expect to do good results. And if you don't, you have that kind of pain like with the coach, with you, until you play the next match. And then that keeps going, that kind of game. Well, and I probably shouldn't say this, but because <laughs> everyone thinks I'm just always smiley and nice, I can be an absolute nightmare on the tennis court because... Growing up that way, you hold on to, I mean, I, I will 100% admit I created value in winning and losing. And if you lose, you know, depending on who's around you and who's helping you and everything else, you're basically told that you're not worth anything. And okay, you lost, like get out of here, go start practicing, get back on the court and win the next time. And even like, like you said, through the podcast, the amount of people at all the different levels that you finally realize, yeah, everyone loses. Like everyone but one person is losing. Like everyone. And I have done a lot of self-work. I sound like we're in therapy now. but I've It's, it's kind of therapy. Of it's the tennis nerd it therapy hour. Yeah. Yeah. We could start a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like... Um, you know, even just not being so mad at myself because I missed a forehand, you know, I, I through COVID, there was actually a player, Tara Moore, who posted something and it was like, what if the next time you step on the court, you're not mad at yourself? Like, what if the next time you step on the court, you're just happy to be hitting and you don't give a crap if you miss 10 forehands in the net or, you know, you double fault or whatnot. And it was like that, that shift in like thinking like, yeah, what if? Like, it's not, you don't have to win all the time. You don't have to make every shot you hit. You're not going to. It's not realistic. But to carry those that value in winning, losing, making shots, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the negative self-talk, which I've been masterful at myself, and I think Same. a lot of people are in tennis, I think it's, it's obviously very harmful uh, because you talk worse to yourself than you would talk to even your worst enemy, right? So, 100%. But, but it's, and I hear it, like, you can play people, I play with a lot of, obviously, strangers, because people come and like, hey, I want to play with you, blah, blah, blah. Or there's a tournament of some kind, and you can hear people go, like, really hard on themselves. And I've, I've tried to completely stop that, because there's no, there's nothing to gain. Like, even if you look like a fool on the court, at least you're not giving yourself shit, you know, that you have to wallow in for, <laughs> for like, a good hour or two, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's and practice. Also yeah like exactly. right i mean like some days you can do it for 10 minutes and hopefully the next time you can do it for 15 and maybe you you relapse and <laughs> but it's tough right i mean yeah. i don't know <laughs> it's tough but it's i think mental 
like having like a mental trainer coach or doing some work as a tennis player any sport obviously but individual sports i think are tougher than the team sports you need that foundation if some are like naturally quite so strong but some are very very up and down and you know there if you are a pro player like you look at like a guy like, guy like curious for example and now you had um, the Netflix series where, mm -hmm. for, uh, was it uh, Badosa, I think, that struggled a lot with her issues and nobody had any clue, right? They, they don't know, oh, she looks like a super strong person and she beats everyone and la, 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 la. But it's, it's not what you know, uh, you know, it's, it's actually happening behind the scenes, you know. So uh, I that's think that's important. It. You hit it on the head and it kind of full circle. That's why I'm so excited to be working with up and coming players because I want them to feel the most confident they've felt all day on the tennis court. And I don't care if they're hitting the ball perfectly or if they're missing or I just want them to be able to like think through things. And I want, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's honestly, and I, it, it feels very like, oh my gosh, this is your life kind of thing. But it's like, this is an opportunity to share what I love about this sport with some young ladies. And hopefully they step on the court and they're super stoked. And most of them probably will never be pro, but, or most of them probably won't even play college tennis, let's be honest. But hopefully when they're 35 and playing on a tennis court, they'll be like, oh, I remember high school tennis and that was so much fun and I still love tennis. So full, full circle. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also kind of your, um, you have a chance to instill some good values and some uh, like life learnings as well. I mean, yeah. I think it's usually when you coach a team or a player or someone that's young, it's, it's not your job always to make them the best player ever because that's tough. It might not be in their cards, like you say, or they might not be naturally talented or whatever. But at least you can do the best you can with giving them good advice to handle life, you know, that, that part... Totally. Uh, hopefully you can go for so make them like strong women independent women and then if they are good tennis players who who really cares like i mean yeah. they might care but <laughs> but in the end it's not not the end the game really totally there's actually cool. someone traveling on the wta i think he gets invited by different players to tournaments who literally is just like a self-confidence coach he's not I mean, he can play tennis, but he's not better than them. He's not experienced more than them, but like he's all about building them up. And it's kind of cool. I met him at BMP and he's like the loveliest personality. And I met him at a dinner and the next day he saw me on the practice courts and he was just like came straight over, gave me all this confidence, like so kind. And I'm like, we need more of that. Yes, we need the good coaching and the practice and the hitting, but we need more of that as well. Just saying. Yeah, I think so. I think that's great. Great idea. I think like for if you're a serious pro player or an aspiring pro, I think investing in a mental trainer or some therapy, even or whatever, you know, I think it's it's much more valuable than many other things you can maybe put money on, right? I mean, you I need your trainer, you need your uh, stuff, but I think that that foundation, whether it's for a period or traveling with you, whatever, depending on the wallet you have, but I think it's it's very helpful. Because you're gonna handle the losses better, and you're gonna win some tough matches when you are thinking you're you're losing. You know, I think yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, so worth. <laughs> I think we're gonna see see more of that. You know, I, I guess Iga Swiatek was was one of the first players actually brought like I, I mean at least to spotlight that she has a mental trainer. Well, and I I love this debate also. I have some friends on tour. I have some friends that are married to people on tour. I have some friends that are coaches to players on tour. And it's always such an interesting conversation when you talk about these players and how, yes, we know they're playing a lot of tennis, but what is 
the breakup of their work week. Are they putting 40 hours on the court? Is it 20 hours on the court? Is 10 hours in the gym? What's the other 10 hours look like? Like, what Mm -hmm. is it actually? And someone like Iga, I got, I've been able to watch a few of her practices now. She is, it's very, we're not just going out and warming up and hitting cross court. Everything is intentional. And it's like, of course it is. Look at her right now. Like she's kicking butt. Sabalenka too. I'm, she obviously gives off a little bit more fun vibes, and I love watching her play. But you can tell she must have tightened something up in the last year, like the discipline, the intentionality, and all of that. So, I mean, despite, like, yes, it was amazing that Bedosa, like, opened up about mental health and all that. But we're still, like, it's still scary to talk about. I mean, I know I'm still scared to talk about it, and I'm not playing. <laughs> so um, Yeah, I also think there's some um, some stigma maybe, but if they open up that – their opponents because everything is always like if the opponent knows something about me they will use it or they will like if it's five all in the third set she will be able oh well she has problems she's gonna choke because she's a nervous <laughs> person so if i if i screw around with her head a bit you know during the you know break or whatever then yeah. then it will be a problem so i think that's a bit of a of a issue for a lot of players for sure, for sure. But yeah, it's it will be interesting to see as the I mean, they're already as physical as they can get. So let's let's work more on the mental side, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and the, I think also what you said is is very important like the the discipline and the the work ethic for like Shuantek and and Zabalenka, they stand out like on the W women's tour now, I think. And uh, you look at the results, that pays off. And I think it's the same on the men's tour like a guy like Novak, you know, he works so hard. I've seen him up close, how he trains, how he works on his game always. Same with Rafa Roger, you know, et cetera. The guys who are, or girls who are most successful, usually they have the, the holy trinity of work ethic and mental work, and they do everything to just make sure that they can compete better, right? Yeah, and I think people would be amazed, at least my personal perspective is like someone outside of the top 30, they might have it all, but they might just not be putting in that one extra, you know, like it might just not be as disciplined. And to be the best, you just have to be fully committed. But it's a lot. I mean, props to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's it, it's easy to say sit here and be like, yeah, right. you should work harder. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy. It's always yeah. easy to to co- be a commenter, but not, right? not actually do it. But but that's why you have to give respect to the players, and that's I think is is also the the discussion of. Of I saw it like from Patrick Moratuglu uh, or something about like the hatred the players get on social media, which ties into that. Like you, they deal with a lot of stuff that people don't know, right? A lot of like, people who lose money betting oh, or yeah. or are just angry people and they have nothing going in their life, so they're gonna take it out on some famous person. Um, so so that's always something they have to deal with. So it's like the foundation of of, uh, of having a strong mental, you know, uh, strength and abilities. Yeah, or so just hiring someone. To- yep. I think I think they need that. I need to hire a whole editing team like you guys as well to help my, my mental yeah. ability. <laughs> but it's also fun to edit in a way, so I, I shouldn't complain too much. That's good. I sometimes cringe listening or watching myself, so <laughs> it's good. That no, I, I I do that all the time. Like I mean, that's why I I think the more I watch myself, the 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 more harsh I am with the editing button. <laughs> It's just like, you're like, cut, well, cut, cut, cut. And I will say, I, I did learn how to edit. And I did edit one of the very first episodes that we put out. But it took me probably, it's like why I don't string. 
<laughs> it takes me so long. I'm, I have more value doing something else when someone can do it more efficiently than me. But I, I agree. Like I was, if I were editing, I would be cutting a lot more than my editor's cutting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's healthy. Actually, maybe that that you're. I mean, you're not editing yourself. I think that can maybe detract from the actual product. Um, no, totally. I'm re might rethink that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you get an intern. Anyone out there interested in? <laughs> yeah, please, please uh, hook hook me up with some good editing skills. Uh, that I'm would sure, be great. Honestly, I'm sure there'd be someone willing to do it and get the the opportunity to learn and be a part of it. Be a part. Yeah, of the yeah, maybe maybe there are. I need to learn how to um, delegate as well. That's good, good, good <laughs> learning for me as a person. Because also you get like, you can become a control freak. You're like, I would have done it this way, which is like, I'm humble enough to know that's never the best. Like there's so million teenagers that edit videos much better than I do. But then you have that like, okay, I, at least it was my decision to cut this, you know? Right? This. I actually delegate my stringing now. That's uh, talking about uh, control freaks, go. but it's, yeah. So I learned something. And it, it's, it's a lifesaver because sometimes, you know how it is, you, have a, you bring a bag, a duffel bag of 10 rackets. That's, that's me pretty much. And then you have someone who wants to try, oh, do you have uh, the new Arrow and the new Pro Stuff and the new E-Zone and the new... And I'm like, all right, I'll bring them. And then you have, a, like, you have two bags to the tennis court. People be like, what, who are you really? What are you doing with your life? <laughs> it's like this, I did what that is this? the other day. Um, one of the girls that I'm working with, she is... I think she's in seventh grade. She's one of the most naturally talented players I've ever seen. And she just started with, um, she started in during COVID 2020 and grabbed an instinct MP. And that's all she knows. That's all she's played with. That's all she knows. And she loves it. But her mom knows nothing about tennis. <laughs> this has been so great for content too, because I'm like, wow, these are the things that we could teach people. Her mom texts me one day and she's like, Isabel needs to get a second racket. She gave, she had two. She gave her other one to a girl that couldn't afford a racket. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah that's... and she's like, I really want her to choose her next racket. I don't want someone telling her this is what you need to use. And I'm like, great. We love that. So I literally like go on the wall and I'm like picking out these rackets full bag, like 10 from like the clash to a blade, not all Wilson, but like an E-zone, like a little bit of everything, the ego racket. And I, she comes and I'm like, look, I have all these rackets for you to try. And she's like, Michelle, I think I just need new strings. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you do. You need new strings. And, and then, so she's just going to buy a second instinct and be, and she's people love that racket. It. I mean, I have a friend that, uh, yeah, we have two friends to play with that. Like they just like, they don't want to change. I've, I've given yeah. them like, try the speed. It's a bit more control and then, and then, and that's not work. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but I, I find that fun. I find that a, a, an interesting part where you like, you bring a bag of rackets and you, you have a stranger or someone, you know, but it's like, okay. Because you also learn a lot about their process, you know. You, we both test a lot of rackets all the time, and you have your preferences and whatnot. But for them, it's like a new experience, maybe. And they are like, okay, so this racket uh, gives me more power, I think. And you could be in your head like, no, no, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> this is not. No, totally. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, okay. Actually, I can reference a podcast that Troy and I did with Amina Bechtis. So she's on the ITF tour right now. I think she's in the top 150 and she's awesome. She's just such a fun personality. But we basically did a like, let's talk through your issues with rackets. It was like therapy for rackets. And essentially she had bought 
She has always used a pure arrow from the APD on. She had bought pure arrows. I want to say she bought the extended ones. She sent them down to Florida to get customized. He was like tearing off the head guard and like shortening the racket and like doing all these things just to get to her spec. And it was like, Amina, like, how about A, you use a customizing service? <laughs> like, we've got one. <laughs> or, like, let's just find you a racket that does exactly what you want without having to do this crazy customization. Yeah, that sounds a bit cr- too crazy. <laughs> just... The sad thing is, it's like, and we're all crazy like this because we all play tennis. And, like, Delpo's, like, the example of the one that wouldn't switch. But she was literally so close to switching and like was ready to go and then she went back to the pure arrow <laughs> i was like dang it so she's still grinding out there with pure arrows i don't know i'm always scared to like see her rackets because there's always some kind of weird thing that she's done she and she she'd be proud to hear this but it's, it's definitely <laughs> it's such an interesting thing because like you'll talk to players and it's like what do you like about this racket or you have them hold one they're like this is heavy and you're like no it's not or you know the grip size and it's like oh that's that's what you're resonating with okay <laughs> no i think the perception of sometimes you can give them like a super flexible racket oh it's uh, yeah it's very stiff and i'm like mm, <laughs> no <laughs> well okay you, you think it's stiff i mean it could be sometimes the string bed density whatever but if, if you know okay the string is not stiff the string bed density is not that the high and uh, people still like oh it's, it's a stiff racket okay okay it's like, yeah. this one is this one is a lot of power because of this and you're like hmm <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of room for education. Play with more ragged. When I wanted to learn about wine, they said drink, drink more wine. So play, play more tennis, drink more wine. That's how we learn. That sounds, both ideas sounds very good. Dr- right? Drink wine and play tennis. It's a not in combination maybe, but no. but generally aside, first, I think it's first tennis then wine. <laughs> Do you have a favorite wine around the the region there? So this area specifically, like where we live, is known for their pinots and chardonnays. Yeah, the so Pinot Noirs, of, yeah, yeah. A lot of Pinot Noir, um, a lot of Rhone varietals, ironically, since we're not in France, but a lot of that. <laughs> and I've I've had a lot of fun learning. So the big trend right now in California seems to be the sparkling. Obviously, it can't be called Chard- or, Chardonnay. It can't be called Champagne because it's not coming from the Champagne region. But, but like the Prosecco of, Cava style. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of... It's a lot of wineries just adding bubbles in the way that they do <laughs> to like their Chardonnay blends or just different white. Not so much Prosecco. It is more of a champagne um, for Cava or Prosecco. But yeah, it's it's been interesting, which is fun. And then yeah, so you have the like the wine taste and then bubbles on top of that kind of right. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. And then I'm into like these pet gnats. I don't know if it's a thing outside of California. It's basically the natural way to carbonate wine. So they put everything in and close the bottle and it naturally carbonates. So it's like a softer carbonation, but it's it's really fun. There's been a lot of like experimental wines doing that kind of stuff around here. So yeah, I'm in a no, cab it's, it's, phase right now because I went to Napa. <laughs> what about awesome. you? What about you? What's your favorite? No, I mean, if I like a lot of different wines. I mean, Spanish wines, they, they have very good wines here. I mean, not exactly this region because it's not really, but the Riviera del Dueros, for example, are very good around here. 
and then the Rioja if you go up north, but they're also like they have them of course across Spain. So Spanish wines are very good, I would say Verdejo white ones. Mm -hmm. um, but like I, I, I do like American wines if I'm in the region. I mean, if you've seen the movie Sideways, you know. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple minutes down the road. Yeah, exactly. That. That was, so we I can't was say, say hello. <laughs> it's one of the classic scenes. They're still trying to resurrect that that wine. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great I mean, Paul Giamatta, what an actor, right? But it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's a rough, rough concept, but it's very funny, you know? It's like people get into the wine a bit too much, a bit too much wine for the good oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you ever make it out to California to visit us, because um, Europe, I'm always jealous you guys can get on a plane, car, train, and you're like in a new spot. But in California, not so much. But in San Luis Obispo, we have wine. Then 45 minutes south, we have a whole nother wine region. And then 30 minutes north, we have a whole nother wine region. So it really is kind of cool to be able to, if you are a wino, like I've become. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know I am. I am for sure. Yeah, and you can experience the difference in the different varietals and everything like that. So it's fun. And there is no, a train. No one takes it, but there is oh, there's a train. a train. Really? There is a train that runs up and down. Um, yeah, literally, you could go San Luis Obispo down to Santa Barbara. It's called the Surfliner, of course. <laughs> um, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That's but cool. Like, no, no, I, I would yeah. love to come. Like it's about time. I usually go to the states every. I mean, I lived in DC many years ago, but then every five years I tend to go. So it's it's about time now I go. Uh, Dude, because yeah, also I would like to visit you guys, you know, and see the BNP Paribas maybe, or at least some, some other events, maybe US Open, you know, that would, that would be cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you're, I mean, like, if you're working in tennis, you need to kind of go to all the slams. I guess that's the kind of a requirement. <laughs> I guess that's up. what they tell me. I'll be asking. <laughs> Excuse me. It's time to yeah. go to Australia. <laughs> different vibes of the different, yeah. uh, different slams. No, and it's it's also like the the thing with going to you notice that maybe like in Stuttgart during the Mercedes Cup now it's both open, but that that they like you have that like entertainment VIP area. You can have a glass of wine and you watch like great tennis players on grass courts. I mean, grass court tennis is a bit fast for some. I I know that, but it's the experience of being there and just being in that kind of vibe is so nice generally. I mean, like I, around tennis, I mean, many tennis tournaments, but, but those are, are very good ones. That was one of my favorite tournaments I've ever been to. I mean, it's absolutely adorable. And I'm saying that as someone that's like, I grew up going to like the Acura Classic in San Diego and Manhattan Beach had tournaments um, and then BNP. And then Stuttgart is just this like adorable grass court. Like there's like flowers on the side of like it was just amazing. And then Federer was there. Oh gosh, I could replay that whole week. I remember it like the back of my hand. Uh, that was so fun. Yeah, that was the Federer year, right? So I, I yeah, because uh, yeah, well. And yeah. he debuted the new paint job because I still I still have videos. <laughs> um, of his first practice there and he was like taking it out and that's when he was still with Nike and I remember Kyrgios was there and he was Yeah, he goes every year actually. He's very very chill about being there. I mean, he yeah. you see him at the grocery store, you know, yeah. I was uh, sitting next to his girlfriend um this year uh or last year and uh, yeah, he's very chill cuz he doesn't have to bring a coach. <laughs> it's just him and his girlfriend and his best buddy. <laughs> yeah. And there's that awesome little park. I would we were staying at a hotel and it was walking distance and there's like this huge park in between and like I don't know. It's amazing. I was like this is the coolest place ever. Yeah, I like I I just like the quaintness of it. I go every year because I just 
Also, you stay in the. I did. Did you stay in the same hotel as the players, or? I don't think so. No, no, no. Okay. No, I I always stay in the same hotel as the players and the car service. So then you you like you eat breakfast, you know, next to Rafa or whatever yeah. one year and and sit with the guys and then you go on on the tag, on the car service to the event and you could have like Mohamed Layani talk about umpiring yeah. or you could have a player, you know. It's it's always cool, right? You you get a lot of a lot of like social but also you learn a lot about the whole the whole scene. And yeah. the the traveling on the tour seems such a weird life. <laughs> you know, it's awesome, know. but it seems very strange. <laughs> And then, you know, know, always in the backpack. Right? I know. I had to send some stuff to a player, and she was like, could you send a duffel bag? Because <laughs> she's just, like, going from the next place. And, yeah. I'm curious to hear about how you like the French. Yeah. I, I, I will. Uh, it will be interesting. It's not, like, a long one. It seems to be, like, two days. Okay. Uh, but um, I'm looking forward for sure, you know, and, and also getting the vibe. Sometimes I feel like the, the Grand Slams, because I've been to only to Wimbledon so far. Uh, I've been there twice. And it, it seems you get a bit far away from the action unless you go to the practice courts, you know? Yeah. But it, it's also amazing to be at such an like, iconic place, like the French Open, the Wimbledon, like they're all a very like, iconic arenas, and that's when tennis is at its best technically, right? But uh, sometimes if there's a lot of people, it can be tough. But this, this will be fun. Also with like testing shoes, it's always fun. I don't know yes. what it entails. Um, uh, exactly. You'll have to tell the Adidas guys hello and ladies because they were they just sent a bunch of their global team here, and so we got to see them a little bit, and they're always fun. They're a good group. Yeah, it seems like the companies are. Uh, I mean, that's a huge company, but it's like it's nice to have them still going hard on tennis. It seems like tennis is doing pretty well. Like for a while, it was a bit of a worrying trend, but now post COVID, I guess that's one of the benefits of COVID. It seems to be like, all right, tennis back on the map. You know, people love tennis, even without Roger. Uh, we still love tennis, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's good. Because I think a lot of people, like, I'm a Roger fan as well, like, as you. So I was like, oh, what's going to happen with tennis when Roger leaves? Right. <laughs> no. And he's still, like, it's amazing. Like, I feel like, what, once a quarter he comes out with a new, like, partnership? Now he's doing sunglasses, and he's at the Met Gala co-hosting, and he's at the F1 race. <laughs> it's like, he's not going anywhere, guys. <laughs> No, no I, I think he loves that life, right? He, yeah. it's his, uh, there was this book, um, not you know, not a biography by Christoph Clary from the New York Times mm -hmm. uh, called The Master. And it, that was very good, I must say, because you also got an insight into like his life outside, you know, just the, the traveling and his, the results and so on, you know, and it's how, how and he loves the traveling. The family loves the traveling. It's like a whole group, a unit, you know, like four mm -hmm. kids. Him in America, so it it seems like why would he stop if he loves it so much? He just <laughs> he just enjoys it, you know. Exactly. He's and then you have some players who don't don't enjoy the traveling so much, and they that would be tough then. Yeah. I've had some interesting conversations this year about being a mom on tour, and what oh, that's that interesting looks actually. Like. Yeah. yeah, and how like there are you know it might be a little bit easier for someone that is well known let's we'll just put her out there vika or serena um and also maybe they have the funds to have you know hired people to help and maintain because obviously that's how roger does it um yeah but what about these players i think who was it strakova just came back it's names <laughs> yes. right um but yeah what that looks like for a player that maybe isn't in the top 10 and how to maintain that life with a kid or a baby or a toddler so and like could is there potential for more support from 
the WTA or the ITF or, you know, what does that look like? Is there child? I've heard there's child care at the majors, but I think that's it. Or maybe like a couple of the bigger tournaments. But it's just such an interesting conversation that I, I like to like pick people's brains. So. No, no, it, it's a good one. And I think it's quite relevant. I mean, it was recently Mother's Day in the US, right? So uh, I, I listened Sunday, to it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I listened to a Tio Von uh, podcast. That was pretty interesting. He, he talked a lot about Mother's Day and the celebration of mothers, you know, and how, um, how we should, you know, celebrate them generally, not only on one day, obviously. <laughs> That's quite right? important. Uh, well, but I think yeah. it's, it's an added complication. I mean, it's, tennis life is already difficult. Like you have to travel, you have to pay all your expenses, you have to have your coach physio, mental training, whatever you have in your team, or if you can afford, like it's, it's so difficult for anyone outside, you know, the top hundred on any tour to really sustain a, a, a good living. Like you can make some money, but it, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. Like you need to, mm -hmm. to cut corners with the cost. And imagine then if you have a kid or two or whatever, right. Then it's like, wow, what are you doing? Partly you're gone. Uh, cause it's not going to be easy to travel with the kids. So that, that's a very difficult, you know? Yeah. Uh, they they need to do definitely, I mean, like that's has been a good part about being born in Sweden, living in Sweden. I got to give them some props because I haven't lived there for such a long time. But it's like they they're very good with like, you know, mothers get like one point five year, you know, so it's like one year, year and a half. Fathers get six months. So it's like for the family, they're always been quite a focused on making sure that you can manage your life and your work and being also a parent. But I, in a job such as being a professional tennis player, I guess that is very, very tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, a, it's one of those things where I'm like, hmm, I wonder how that, how you would deal with that. Even look at Svitolina. She, I mean, Monfils, I think, is he working on his comeback? I think. Yeah, he is. But he had some uh, setback, I think, from what I saw. I mean, we all like watching uh, Monfils, but uh, I think yeah. he, he has some problems still with the, I'm not sure if it's a wrist or, or whatever. People can correct me, but there, there was something going on. <laughs> Well, and it's like, how does that look? Like, so we all know that the tour only comes together basically four times a year. Like, so Svitolina wants to go play, and she's got, they've got a baby, and Monfils wants to go play. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. It's just one of those things that I'm just like, huh. When, it will be interesting to watch that play out. So. Yeah, no, it, and they, it, I mean, two professional tennis players now with a kid, it's that kind of a unique situation, right? Because they're both good and active. Like, okay, yeah. he is closer to retirement, technically, right. I would say. Yeah. Uh, no offense, Guy, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's like, who's going to go out and play? They're going to take turns. And also, it's so important as a pro player to be have consistent, you know, oh, I'm playing well now, but it's not your week. <laughs> so you right? gotta... <laughs> And exactly. then you went and played and you lost first round, you both. So you know, it's like, this could be interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. Just something to I... think about. <laughs> I have an idea. Uh, Netflix, you can scrap Breakpoint and you, you get them a series instead of parenting with two professional tennis players because that's going to be even better, I think. <laughs> it's gonna be... Oh, man. That would be... I'd watch that for sure. I'd watch yes. that for sure. That could, that could be a cool series, actually. I mean, it's, uh, they don't want to maybe sell out their life, but yeah. if they need extra money, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we can create something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because sometimes like the, um, when you want to get really behind the scenes, this is obviously up to the person how much they can share, but it's that kind of struggle is very much relatable also to other people, right? Like this is like, okay, a parenting struggle, mother exactly. struggle, father struggle, whatever you want, uh, family a situation. Um, so that could be an interesting way to mold that into also like a professional sports career, right? Oh, look at Taylor Townsend too. She's having a great year um, and she's managing to do it really well. And it's like really cool to see like 
her friends embrace her kid too and he's so adorable like who wouldn't want to see that awesome energy but it's I'm sure not easy like the fact that she's coming back from being a mom being pregnant and all this and like just breaking off I love her story so I'm just always in awe of her but yeah it's 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 definitely something that I think if we like took a peek behind the door it you would see there are more moms out there than we realize and a lot of them aren't making a ton of money there's they're surviving on tour but I wouldn't be able to say that like they have enough money to keep a coach keep you know a husband or you know keep like this whole team on tour so it's it's always interesting yeah and she's also a a very fun player to watch with a different style but I I think it's it's yeah, very, very, I mean, like, and like the style, I think, is so important. Like, if someone has an unorthodox or just a different way of approaching the game, it's just a good mix to put in there with all the good baseliners, whatever. You see a lot of players that look like they clone themselves on both tours, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. so nice to have just like that extra spice, whatever it is, a Tiafo or or you know Townsend, or whatever. Um, I think that's great. Uh, but also, it's it's good. I, I know. I mean, Noah Rubin did this behind the racket, which was great. Like talking about mental situations for for players and and so on but it would be nice if the tours maybe found a way to package like the personal stories a bit better um like to to maybe like okay this is her situation that could be quite interesting to understand and to follow yeah. and, and you know that's something what we're for here the future. for on the podcast you yeah yeah you all exactly. go get taylor <laughs> you go get spinalina and monfies <laughs> Yeah, but it's good. I think that's it's great for your podcast as well. Like you know, you, you had Isla on, so now you don't need more more characters uh, I know. because I think <laughs> I think you learn a lot. Like I mean, some some players are not so open always to being um, behind a mic, but it's I think it's changing a bit because they realize also like this is part of their job and a part of their extra value they can give to people, but also to themselves in terms of like maybe deals or or just getting their name out there a bit more. So I think it's maybe we'll see that more and also more openness with podcasts because you can speak freely for two hours it's not like a snippet thing you know so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah riley opelka is sharing with us all of his his insider he keeps i keep hearing about well i listened to one but he does a good job of being open what was who oh was yeah it? yeah yeah craig shapiro yeah. maybe yes 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 that was and then apparently there's a new one that he unleashed some information about Madrid. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy I would like to talk to at some point. Obviously, not easy, but but uh, int- I, I like. I mean, you might agree or disagree with what he says, you know. But uh, but it's 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 also kind of refreshing to have someone who's just like, Bleh, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Daniel Medvedev is like, Bleh. <laughs> it's just all right, you know. That's what he feels. He just says no filter. That's quite refreshing, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely refreshing. So you're gonna have Opel Colnor, no? No, actually, no, I wish. <laughs> Although Chris got to chat with him at BMP, but it was strictly brand oriented. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing controversial said, but I've been, I do follow him and like what he has to say. And I like that he isn't afraid to say it. Cause- no, no, no. It's these, these types of guys are so important also to, um, to make the sport more engaging because everybody is everybody a bit robotic or just like playing very you playing the cards very close to the vest all the time we have nothing to grab onto to make a story right so there's no story there okay you can watch Alcaraz forehands for four hours I can do that but we also need the stories outside that right and yeah. uh, people who are a bit quirky or just have a different opinion or a different way of approaching things that makes it interesting 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Agreed. so more more people leave fighting. If that is a word, I don't know, but it was used. <laughs> I make up words all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a part of the job. It's make a part of words. the job. My editor will be like, um, "You know, this is not a word." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> sorry, it is now." <laughs> make up words, make them work. That is that's <laughs> yeah. what we do. All right, Michelle, I'm uh, I'm gonna also go to our tennis court now, so yes. this is about time. It was very nice talking to you. So we you could probably well. talk more, but yes. we'll do it soon. Yes, come come visit us, and we'll we'll plan in person stuff too. <laughs> that would be great. Like I could make a really cool uh, vlog like that. That would I think that would people would really appreciate that seeing Perfect. how you guys you know you're a bit like behind the scenes tour, but also some hitting and stuff. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Anytime we're here. Cool. <laughs> we're not we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, no, no. I had a feeling that <laughs> I have to plan that US US uh, trip. That would be US be great. Sweet. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Awesome. Cool. And we'll drink some wine. <laughs> yes. Count me in. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks yes, a lot. No problem.